Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I woke up this morning. Today is a Thursday morning. I woke up uh, with a very clear uh, thought. Um, elevation, integration, and calibration. Elevation integration and calibration so that was what i woke up with and what i thought hmm i've done several reflections lately <laughs> i'm on a i have a 50 uh, reflection uh 50 episode limit for the semester and i'm on a roll so we don't want to violate that but i i really should hit the record button to to work this thing out what what is in my, what am I, my, oh, excuse me, what am I waking up with? What does this mean? Elevation, integration, calibration. Let's hit the record button to find out. Um, as I prepare to do the reflection and move about and just do some morning routines before um, I wanted to engage, four other reflections popped in my head that I wrote down on my paper. Um, so I'm going to give you that. Number two would be eight symptoms of groupthink. I've covered this before, but it is relevant as a return. Um, it's relevant right now in my life to revisit it. Number three, unhealthy reflection. I did an episode a year ago, almost a year ago. It's the same episode in which I talked about the eight symptoms of Eight symptoms of groupthink. I'm struggling in this morning, so bear with me. The eight symptoms of groupthink. I did, I introduced in a reflection called unhealthy. I think that I released that in May of last year. Well, I listened to that this morning as I was moving about. And that, ref, um, well, that reflection was a hot mess. <laughs> but anyway, so I have that down on my paper. Number four, um, there is a settling of the social scientist, educator, leader. And I wanted to talk about that journey of being settled in those three domains, those three occupational domains. And then number five, the returned disconnect. The return disconnect. Um, so those are the five things that are on my mind this morning, and uh, but I really would like to em emphasize the first item, elevation, integration, calibration. But as these reflections go, I end up, in the freestyling of it all, I end up covering multiple points on the list. So, Or I might talk about something completely different that has nothing to do with the list. And so we're going to find out. So let me do my disclaimers and then we'll get started. Um, I'm going to give an unusual disclaimer first, just to tell you if you hear some background noise. My dog decided to start eating. And um, this is not a normal time for her. But um, because she is um, a fairly light eater, you know, she doesn't have a, a healthy appetite. Um, I'm going to let her, so she's eating now, there's a reason, so I'm just going to let her engage, so if you hear that in the back, 
backdrop, that's because my my one of my dogs. Did I say my youngest? She's she's the baby. She acts like the baby, but she's the oldest actually. Um, she's eating, and now she's looking at me like she know. I know you're talking about me. But anyway, let's get back to the, my disclaimers. So my normal disclaimers are. This is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two theories I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as being an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a practice, I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. It's 28 to be exact. Half of that time has been in leadership. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I playfully or loosely identify as a critical race feminist. I feel like this disclaimer is important, even though it's still awkward. It's an awkward integration um, in the rollout of the other other disclaimers. I'm struggling with my words this morning. I don't know what that's about. I probably need some water. Um, I talk about being a critical race feminist because it's really important to distinguish me from other African-Americans uh, from lower lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma, I really think the critical race feminist part of me is distinct and gives me a distinction. Um, when I went back to listen to this episode called The Unhealthy from a year ago, it was when I was just starting to integrate into my disclaimers that I'm a black woman. Because when I first started this project, I mean, you might know that I'm black, but I didn't I didn't bring that to the forefront. And the reason this project has grown to me, for me, having these disclaimers, the things that I'm putting out front, for those who are new, and I believe I have some new people who've come my way um, in the last couple of days, so hey. Um, but those of you, when you come to me, I want people to know what's different about this project. And as I talk about using this project as a personal journal, what are going to be the things that influence my reality? I'm black, I'm female, I come from a critical feminist lens, I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist, I am an INTJ in the Myers-Briggs system, uh, type 8 in the Enneagram system, and all of that is going to flavor what I'm taking in, in the world, how I'm processing it, the meaning making I do, and it's going to also flavor how I talk, and this leads to the other disclaimer. This project is unedited and it's unscripted. And so as an INTJ, I don't, up until this project, I don't live out loud in an unstructured way. The J part of my personality means everything in, anything I do in the outer world with other people is pretty ordered and structured. But if you know the Myers-Briggs system, the J can be confusing if you're an intuitive, if you're an introverted intuitive. Because as an intuitive, I shouldn't say an introverted intuitive. 
but I think it's especially true for the introverted intuitive. If you're an introverted intuitive, you are actually a perceiver, you're a P. The J for judging in the Myers-Briggs system means you, the, my shorthand, the way I've put shorthand to the system is, as a J, you put order to your outer world. But for NI Dom, as a, such as, that's why this project is named your NI Dom. But for an introverted, excuse me, for an intuitive, an introverted intuitive, that is not as exact, that's not exactly complete. I won't say it's not true. It's not complete. A perceiver, a P, is open, moving about. There's a flow. There's a flow. A J brings order. P's move, move, P's move about. There's a flow to them. As an INTJ as well as an INFJ, these are the only two in the system that have, I'm, I'm not going to say that. That's not true. I don't know if, what I'm talking about in this part. But this is what I do know that's true. INTJs and INFJs are perceivers acting out in the world as judges. So we have an inner flow that can sometimes impact our private lives. You know, like, you know, if you think a J who wants to have order in their lives, I'm really in a rabbit hole right now, you guys, but I'm just going to stay there. I think I'm mindful of some new people that have made their way to this project. Um, so I just want to give this information and my disclaimers. Um, so J's are going to put order to their outer worlds. And perceivers typically don't unless they are rehearsed and, you know, not to say the P's are messy, but typically that's one way you can distinguish between a P and a J. But introverted intuitives, NIDOMs, we're kind of both. We like order, but we also have to have a movement about us. Well, when I'm in the world as an INTJ, I don't give that free move. This is the whole point of me going into this rabbit hole. When I'm in the world, I don't do the freestyling. I do order. I do impact. I'm effective. And so I have another podcast in which I am very ordered, very structured. And I'm so structured, I have a script for it most of the time, unless I'm interviewing someone. But even in that interview there's an arc there's still a structure to the interview and I have been wanting to get to a place in podcast number one where I can relax and be more of me than I am in my private life but that's very hard to do because I don't want to be in the world unstructured so I started this project for a number of reasons you have to go back and listen to other episodes but one of the reasons I'm doing this project is to be comfortable in the unstructured part of me the private me out loud to let the world see me unpolished because I believe there are nuggets in the messy what I would call the messy as a J somebody else wouldn't say it's messy but for me as a as a J, that's messy. It's okay for me to be messy for myself. I don't want you to see me. I don't want other people to see me as messy. Uh, but this project has been very liberating for me to see the value of being unstructured, unscripted, unedited. To develop a confidence in it, to be bold about it, to be unapologetic. 
This is what this second podcast has done. And I want to go back to podcast number one and try to be a little less controlled. <laughs> so we'll see. But anyway, this project is unedited and it's unscripted. If you want to know more about this project, feel free to go to my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. It's not updated. The last, I, last time I updated was about six months ago. And so as this project grows, I need that if that website is going to grow. Um, but anyway, all right, you guys, I have, I'm in less than 15 minutes. Last few episodes, I've been doing really good at setting the reflection up. It's very precise and structured. But I just meandered in that introduction. But again, I'm mindful that I have some new people coming my way. And I think this, and I probably only have two new people, maybe. But I mean, if, even if that's the case, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I want to, I'm going to talk about why I think I have two new people. I might have more. But why I have two new people who are coming to this project. And I'm going to put it in context to number one, elevation, integration, and calibration. There's so much that's been going on in my life in the past week. But honestly, I'm pausing because if, if I'm honest, there's a lot that's been going on my, in my life in the past year. And if I'm really honest, there's a lot that's been going on in my life in the past four years. And that's where the calibration piece is going to happen. In this conversation, I'm going to talk about what is all of that? What does all of that mean? How does this week connect to this year, to the last four years? So just hold that for a second. A few days ago, um, maybe it was this weekend, I did a reflection called Elevation. And in that reflection, I was like, I'm at a place. I don't know what else to talk about in this project. Um, I'm not ready to close podcast number two. Uh, I've, let me let me say something else. When I say there's nothing else for me to talk about, there are themes now on repeat. There are themes that I've worked through in my life, and I'm like, oh, I'm good. I use this project to figure out some really difficult stuff, some stuff that used to be embarrassing for me. I was listening to that episode uh, on my a third on my list is called Unhealthy. It's a reflection I did a year ago. That is really a hot mess. I mean, but there's some goodies in there. There's some good, there are some nuggets in that reflection. I would say it's almost, I would almost say it's worth listening to it for those nuggets. But it's a lot of fat and fluff to have to work through. There's a lot to get through to that, to get to those goodies. So I'm not going to recommend it. <laughs> Although there are some goodies located in there, but you're going to have to get through a lot of fat and fluff. But anyway, in that reflection, I was talking about direct, you know, direction of care and being a healthy two as an eight in the Enneagram system. The Enneagram system is about wellness, is about growth. That's not necessarily the case for the Myers-Briggs, but the Enneagram is about, it's about growth and wellness. 
and I would like to say social, social emotional wellness. And um, I'm having some breakthroughs this morning, you guys. So just if you can hear my energy level, it's lower, and I'm pausing more. That is that's indicative of me being in a particular energy bubble, and I'm I'm not 100% sure why. But I do notice it, and I do know it means something. So we'll see. But anywho, um, as an as a type eight, my growth plan is to be to is to connect to the two. Uh, what well, eights are warriors? Uh, we fight. We fight the fight. Oh, what about domination? And uh, it was another way I wanted to say it. Some people say we're the, an, we are an angry type and we're comfortable in that anger. In a lot of ways I agree with it. I don't like to say I'm an 8 without saying I'm an INTJ. I say I'm an INTJ 8 and that means something. It's different for me to say I'm an INTJ 8 versus an 8 INTJ. And that's because as an INTJ I'm strategic. I'm not an... Um, INTJs are... They plan to hit the mark. Um, an eight is gonna is more instinctual, and so those two parts of my personality are equally real, but they show up in in nuanced ways, in very specific ways. So in my work. As a social scientist, educator, and leader, because I've been doing this for 30 years, I don't have to be as contemplative as I am in my life. Because most of my work, I've already cracked the code. Because I've been contemplative. I'm in, I've invested. I've invested in knowing my work. So I can be more instinctual in my work. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all just don't know what I... You don't even know the conversations I've had in the last 24 hours. And I really... I'm planning to share that with you. Um, and I, I don't usually get this detailed in these reflections. But this... This is something I have to share. I won't name... I won't give names. I won't give organizations. I, hell, I don't even give the city. But I... And I'm not going to do that to, it's not about names. It's not about organizations. The conversation I had yesterday was about a prototype or an archetype. I told someone yesterday. I said, "This is a. This is a. A planned lynching. Or." Like a witch hunt. And I, thought, I said both. I said a witch hunt and a lynching. What's interesting is that they, I did, when I said it yesterday, I was like, there's a, there's a racial and gender uh, implication to me saying both of those. And I realized that as a witch hunt, that speaks more to the gender side of me. I said lynching. That speaks more to the race side of me. 
Because I, I just, I don't, it's probably not profound to you, but it was interesting to me. <laughs> so anyway, so why, why I brought that up is because there is, there's a conversation I had with someone yesterday and he was warning me. And I heard the warning. I heard it. I heard it. It was very clear. Thank you for giving me the heads up, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? I'm actually not going to say more about that because there's a, there's a, there's a 60% chance that that individual has access to this reflect, this podcast, podcast number two. And, uh, and okay. Uh, you want to be here? Welcome. Uh, but there are going to be some things that I'll have unfold over the next few weeks that I don't want to, I don't want to play my hand. So I'm going to have to come back to that. I'm going to have to come back to yesterday's conversation. I wanted to share with you, but I want to be mindful just in case it, those individuals are, have made their way to this project. This is something that's, in, something very, very important is happening, uh, at work. And I don't want to play, play, play my hand right now. So anyway. Anyway, going, I'm going to just rewind a little bit. So as a type eight in the Enneagrams, my growth plan, my growth, I should aspire to be more two-like. So eights are antisocial. They just are antisocial. It's antisocial. And even though I'm a social eight, which makes me a counter type to the antisocial on the surface, at the core, I'm still antisocial. And as an INTJ, I'm, I'm antisocial. Um, for the most part. <laughs> so as a two, though, I have to be more caring and loving on people. Yikes. But that's why it's a growth point. And when I did my first leadership bout, that's when I learned to care for people. As a, That's when I learned to pick up the two part of me. Although I didn't know that because I didn't have the Enneagram system. But in, in hindsight, reflecting back, that's what I was doing. I was learning to be more two-ish, protective, a protector, which does fit right with a type eight. We are champions of, we're, we, we are protectors. We're not nurturers, but we're protectors. And I think when we get closer to the two, we become a little more nurturing. Uh, but anyway, I have no idea why I went down that rabbit hole. Uh, but in the in the reflection I did a year ago, I was talking about being an unhealthy two versus a healthy two, because every number in the enneagram indicates has has a level of health and unhealthiness, a level of healthiness and unhealthiness. And so, um, I was talking about that, you know, in a year ago, I, I was talking about what unhealthy looks like on me. And at the time I was very uncomfortable with the idea of publishing that. I, and I talked about being erotic. That was a concept that I, when I got introduced to that idea about five, six years ago, about five years ago, that was hard for me to consider using that term for myself as a neurotic. 
that means something in the particular framework of a text. I got this, got the term neuroticism from a particular text. So I'm not talking about traditional neuroticism, but in this particular text, it talks about how neurotics, um, will take care of other people at the expense of the self. And why that's really difficult for me is because I'm not wired as an Enneagram 8. That's not what I'm wired to do unless I'm unhealthy. And so while I rejected that term, um, and I was embarrassed by it five years ago, but that was private. <laughs> that was five years ago, I was having this conversation with myself in a very private way. To then have that conversation in this project in a public way showed growth, right? Because I was obviously I wasn't that embarrassed to put that in a podcast. And that, but I was still uncomfortable. Now, when I go back, when I listen to that episode this morning, I'm not embarrassed by that about the treatment of, of considering my neuroticism when I am in an unhealthy space. I'm more embarrassed by that episode because I would, I was neurotic in that episode. I was like all over the place. I was like, good Lord, can you just get to the point? <laughs> it was, it was ridiculous. It was really, really, really ridiculous. But anyway, um, anyway, so a few days ago, I'm, I'm, I'm probably, you're probably going, <laughs> you probably are thinking, you're being kind of neurotic right now. <laughs> anyway, so um, a few days ago, I released this episode about just as, just a few days ago. I released an episode about how I've elevated. I've covered some really important themes, some some difficult themes in my life, and uh, and I feel good about it. The themes are on repeat. I've done some really hard work. In, 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 in areas of trauma. And, uh, that's probably the most difficult part of, for me is the trauma part because that's repressed. It has been repressed. I didn't know about the trauma. I didn't, I didn't know about the trauma. I didn't understand the experiences I had as trauma and the pain associated with the trauma was trapped in my psyche in my body so then it was coming out in ways that I wasn't controlling it that's not healthy so I um, but I say all of that to say is I'm comfortable I've grown in that area and I'm comfortable talking about my growth point. And I think I've gotten very comfortable because of this project. So this project has helped me really, really in some immense, some beautiful ways. I always tell people, first of all, everybody should be journaling. I've been keeping a journal, a diary since I was four. I've talked about that before. I'm not going to go down that pathway. Um, but I've been journaling since I was four. Uh, about five years ago, I started reflecting out loud through blogging. And then last year, I started doing a, a public personal journal. And all of that is about being, about growth. So when I think about some new people that have come to this project, um, particularly by how you came here, more than likely you're an educator. 
more than likely you're either an educator in a traditional sense or you work with young people or you work with teachers. So there's a friend of mine asked if she could share my podcast with her network. And this is the second time she's asked me that. Maybe, might be the third time. Not that she keeps asking me, but it's the third time we've talked about it. And I've really struggled with that. She asked me this a year ago. And I, and I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm comfortable with doing a personal reflection out loud with strangers. But because you and I are in the same industry as educators, I don't know if I'm comfortable with sharing this out loud with people who either I know I will cross paths with or um, who will get to know me by way of my other work that's out there, you know. So I've been saying no, but I've been wanting to do it. And so uh, the other day I said yes. And that, I think I said yes to her sharing that because of this place of integration. It's a place where I want to be. And I'm going to start bringing closure here. Um, I know you're, like, you're probably like, you haven't said anything yet. <laughs> but I'm, I'm getting ready to start lowering the plane, if you will. When I did the episode a few days ago called Elevation... I was aware that I have worked through some very difficult pain points in my life, some very difficult struggles out loud. And I feel very, I'm very glad I did it. I'm proud. And I was like, I don't know what else. Part of me was like, maybe I can close this up. Ep- sorry, I just went somewhere in my head. Um, I was like, maybe I can. I should shut this podcast num- number two down and, and, and start making my way into my primary podcast. Maybe I'm ready to start having some of these conversations out loud in my primary world. These difficult places, these personal places, these painful places. Because we all have them. We're not all comfortable getting on a podcast talking about it. But we all have them. What is important for me in this work is as an educator, we're impacting the lives of children, young people on a daily basis. And I learned something last semester when I went through my trauma training. We all have a trauma score. I'm laughing because of a conversation that came up yesterday that just randomly just popped in my head. That's something I would love to share with you at some point, too. So many, so many things I have to write down and talk to you guys about later when I'm out of this season. Um, but nonetheless, we all have a trauma score. What we know about trauma is that if it's not taken care of, it, it is recycled. It's reborn. It's regenerated. We have to learn about our trauma scores and how they show up in our work, even if you don't work with kids. That trauma is not self-contained, y'all. It doesn't stay in a box. It doesn't stay in the house. Okay, I'm, I've had trauma, and I'm only going to be impacted by the trauma in my home with my family 
with my close friends. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. It's a part of everything that we do. It is an unhealthy part of what we do. Not because we are unhealthy people or mean, but our trauma is not a healthy condition. And if we don't know the trauma, then it's repressed and then we're not managing it appropriately. So that's one of the things I'd love to do is to inspire other educators. I always say, confront your ugly. Go find your uglies. I did an episode in season one called The Uglies. And my God, that was a very difficult episode. When I think about it now, it's like, it is the truth. I have no shame around it now. But when I first did that episode, almost two years ago, I was embarrassed. But I pressed on because I believe this. I believe in the work I'm doing. So anywho, so I'm at a place of integration. I'm at a place, I'm at a place where I want to be integrated. I haven't taken this. I haven't taken the personal prompt, the personal side of me, the trauma side of me. I haven't taken it in an unscripted way uh, to to my primary life. When it shows up in podcast number one, we'll know I'm integrated. That's going to be one of my benchmarks. I don't know I'm integrated. So I don't, I've not done that yet. But I think telling my friend that she can release this podcast project to her network. She has thousands of followers. She's an INFJ. She's got thousands of followers. Me giving her permission to share the episode, the project, is really me. And I didn't think about this until this morning. Is really about me being on the course of integration. It's it's proof. It is actually proof that there has been an elevation in me. An elevation that allows me to integrate. All right, let me make this last point about calibration. Ironically, ironically, (laughs) this is funny. It's funny how the universe works. And I'm, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just derail a little bit. I hope it's just going to be for a few seconds. Cross your fingers, you guys, <laughs> and send energy back my way because you're going to get this in my future. So send the energy back to me and do some time traveling. And anyway, anyway, I'm sorry. I just went to my space-time thinking. I have an episode on that, by the way. I have a reflection on it, rather. But... um I completely lost where I was about to go. That's fine. Maybe I didn't need to derail in the first place because I totally lost. It'll come back to me. Uh, so a few days ago, I released this episode called Elevation. I believe it's, and it's because I've hit, I've covered some really difficult things in, in this project. Um, and all of my themes now are on repeat. So I don't believe there's anything big for me to, I, at the time, I said, there's really nothing big for me to figure out anymore. You know, now it's time to figure out how to take this work and move it into my primary self. And I'm calling the podcast number one is like a a marker or indicator of my primary world, a placeholder. A friend of mine asked me yesterday, could she release the, could she share my Twitter account? Because I probably have, oh, I think I'm up to, am I up to 10 followers? I might, I don't want to hit this, I don't want to go check. I'm between 10 and 15 followers on that 
that my your ni dom one Twitter account. Super proud of that. <laughs> and I do nothing with it. I want to do more with it, but I haven't figured out a way to anyway. And so she she asked me, and I said, "Yeah, I've told you that already." But that is another indicator. That's an indicator that I'm ready. Okay. I said that to you guys on Sunday, Saturday, I believe. I think I did that reflection on either Saturday or Sunday. All was well in my world. And Monday, there's been an explosion. So much of an explosion that I, I'm not as sure. I'm not sure of my job stability right now. And so every day, I'm just going to say it's another day. <laughs> it's another day. So, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm going somewhere in my head. So every day, I mean, there's something, my job is very charged right now. I'm at peace with it on one, um, I'm at 80%, probably 90% at peace with because it's about doing good work for children. And I'm fighting for kids who are being harmed. The adults who are harming them aren't trying to harm them. That's not what they're trying to do. Not at all. And that's what makes this difficult. The adults who are harming them don't understand that they're harming them. Repressed trauma, y'all. The adults aren't willing to deal with their trauma. And one thing I learned about this in this, this training that I did last semester about trauma. Most people look at trauma as related to people at the margins. But the racial elite, they're traumatized too. Which is why I think sometimes they, some of them can get frustrated when we talk about the trauma of marginalized communities or the pain because they're like, we, we, we have it too. And they absolutely do. We all have a trauma. And I think it comes from a number of things. And I was thinking about, you know, I've been on this cap, on this kick on capitalism lately. One of the things, though, is we have to have a system that's going to allow us to live together as social beings. Capitalism is an economic system that will allow you to do that. We have to. No system is going to be perfect. But we don't have a pure capitalistic structure here in the United States. That's the problem. It's not capitalism. I think it's a problem, at least not in my thinking today. I think the capitalism was founded on 400 plus years of free labor. Probably more than that. Free labor. Brutal labor, by the way. Brutal. But free, all the same. <laughs> so the capital that was generated from the beginning years of our nation... And the institutions that erupted or 
evolved from that time period is skewed. It's a not it's a it's a skewed system. So so that's the problem with capitalism. That's that's a major problem with it. It's foundation, the capital that is generated and circulated and protected is tainted capital. It's tainted capital. But I'm not going to stay here, you guys, because I can see that's a rabbit hole. We're not going to stay there. So because of that, all of that, I think we all have, a, that's one of the traumas that we all experience, uh, in, it's particularly those of us in, in the United States. But that, a lot of that is global too. So, But I don't have the knowledge to talk about the global trauma. Um, um, so in my protection of all children, I am bumping up against a certain subgroup that has trauma and they are not looking at my work as protecting all kids. They're looking at my work as hurt, as in hurting them. And so I use calibration, the word calibration, a lot in my job, it's particularly as a leader. I roll out an initiative. I say, then let's calibrate it. I'm going to put this in pencil. I'm going to say this in pencil. And then I'm learning a lot, though. And what just hit me is that I have a, I have people that I have, I have a larger staff and I have to learn my leadership style through with a larger staff. And I think that there are some things I lose out on when I have a team of a larger staff than when I when I'm a standalone person. But I have to learn that. I have to work through that. But these people are so upset with me. They're not giving room for me to learn and calibrate that. And that's fine. They, they were upset before I got there. And so, you know, and it, it, it's hard to have this conversation without also thinking about there being a national movement of teachers being really, really upset and hurt. There's, there's a massive uh, teacher shortage. There's an exodus. And I was thinking about a guy who came up to me after a meeting last week and he was like, I'm concerned that people are gonna leave. And I was just like, People have to take care of themselves, including me. But in to, in fairness to teachers across the country, and maybe across the globe, we've never been, two things, we've never been taught how to take care of ourselves. That's just not something we're taught to do. There's no place in the curriculum that we are exposed to in our K-12 schooling that teaches you how to do self-care. You have to learn that. And oftentimes, we come to understanding self-care by way of self-destruction. There's something that we've done. We've, You guys, have, I've been very public about my self-destruction. Very, very public over the last four or five years. 
And I do that because I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only one that hit hit rock bottom. I'm not the only one that has had to get myself off the ground and build my way back. And I'm still en route to that. I'm still en route to picking myself up. But if we were taught self-care earlier on in life, we would better avoid self-destruction. Now, some of you may have come from households where there was a, your family as an institution taught you self-care. That's a beautiful thing. Hold on to that. Celebrate that. Pay it forward. Pass it on. But many of us were not, we weren't, we weren't, we not only, we not only weren't, I don't want, I'm using a double negative. Not only did we not get taught how to do self-care work, we were taught to neglect self-care, to care for others. That's what I talked about in that episode from a year ago called Unhealthy. That's how I was raised. I was raised to neglect myself in some subtle ways, not in over. There were some overt ways, times that that message carried out. But most of the messaging was it's 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 late it's covert, and it's even latent, which I don't use that word a lot, but it's latent. So anyway, um, I believe that the teachers across the country, we have not been taught to do self care, and number two, we are not given a space to do it. So even if we're try as we're trying to learn to do self care, there's no space to do it. And sometimes the only option is leaving the profession. Sometimes, not always. I did it. I had to step away or to step away from doing the work in in box A and then go to box B and then box C. So because I've done that, I'm not being flip when I tell a teacher, you do have to take care of yourself. I say that as a model of that, if I was going to be a role model of self-care. I support you. You have an obligation to be healthy. Unfortunately, even if you've not been taught that, you have an obligation because the kids need you to be healthy because they're traumatized. And when you're unhealthy, you cannot care for them the way you are supposed to. And ultimately, that's what I'm doing as a leader. Now, my rollout, my rollout is, 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 is charged. It's political. How I've rolled this thing out is political. How I've messaged it out is political. And I have to live with that. I have to live with how I've chosen to do those things. I have to live with the consequences, and I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to do that. I am. But I do it all stylistically. I do it all in the spirit of helping more students to have access to high-quality education. That's why I do it.
That's why I do it. And if that means that my life becomes turbulent because of that, that's the work. That's the work. Doesn't mean I don't... Um, doesn't mean I'm not going to grow in this process. Process Doesn't mean I'm not going to learn to do things better, right? Because I definitely know that. <laughs> I know that. But, the, but my heart, the spirit of what I'm doing, even as I'm faltering, even if I falter, and as I falter, the spirit of it is to give more students access. That was a rabbit hole, but that's important. That's important for this thing, and I'm going to try to end here. That's me hitting number. I want to hit numbers four and five. I already talked about number three, unhealthy, the unhealthy reflection from a year ago. I'm still talking about elevation, integration, calibration as point one, but I've covered point three. I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a little bit of four and five. Number four was social science, this educator leader, being settled. In, in those three areas, and number five, the return disconnect, and this is this is what the calibration part is about. I stepped away from leadership in a traditional sense, in a conventional way. I stepped away from education in a conventional way. I never really. Yeah, I, maybe I stepped away from being a social scientist in a conventional way, but I don't think so. That's the real reason, value and the reason for podcast number one. Podcast number one allows me to lean into my my identity and my work as a social scientist. And so I stepped away to do the work in a way that I could not do it when I was a part of the system. And for some very valid reasons, choices that I made that have, that really don't have anything to do with my decision to leave the system, it was the way, it was me not understanding, oh my God, this is it right here. It was me not understanding who I am as a person outside of the industry, outside of the system in which I have been groomed to serve in. Holding three degrees, I have been groomed for my industry. So in a conventional way, I have been groomed to serve conventionally in my industry. Even though, yeah, even though my training was about being creative outside of the box, I was still in a box. I was outside of one box, but I was inside of another one. So I went in the world ready, but unequipped. Emotionally, spiritually ready, but unequipped. Because my entire equipment, my entire toolbox is for the industry. My entire toolbox is for the industry. So when I hit turbulence out in the world, because I was making some choices around the relationship, right? That was compounded by the fact that I didn't have a toolbox for the world. I would love to do my work as a social scientist, educator, and leader. I would love to do it in an unconventional way. 
like I told a guy yesterday, a guy who told me that they're planning to fight me. As a matter of fact, they're, they're going to the union on me. That's fine. I'm excited about it, believe it or not, because hopefully through that conversation we can calibrate and we can meet in the middle because I have not been able to get these teachers to want to work with me. And I don't even take that personally because my ability to negotiate is a skill that I didn't realize was a skill. I thought everybody knew how to negotiate. That is not true. Because people aren't taught to negotiate, they're not comfortable with it. And then they avoid it. They want solutions. They want solutions. They want things to be better, but they don't know how to come to the table to negotiate. I see that clear as day. I'm showing up. I've I've had several conversations yesterday. How do you want to meet in the middle? There's no meeting in the middle. They want a sum total. I said, it's not going to work that way. I'm not going to get everything I want. I'm sorry, but you're not going to get everything you want. And if that is the fight, that's a fight I'm not going to have. That, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of being in this role, the way I'm in this role. I'm not invested. I'm not invested in the system to die by the system. I'm invested in the, I'm invested in giving more children access. That's where I'll die. I will not die for the system. I just won't. And I'm not saying people are asking me to either, but I'm just going to be very clear. So I'm not going, I'm not going to fight for a sum total win. So if that's the battle, you already won it. You won that. So. Excuse me. So anyway, so this is, this is, this is what's before me now. I'm back in the system trying to do the work of a social scientist, educator, leader, but knowing that the real work, my real strength of being a social scientist, educator, and a leader is outside of the system. But I'm back in the system because my training is for the system. My spirit is for outside the system. So I now have to calibrate that reality. And part of calibration is integration. Part of calibration is these things that I do outside of the system, as much as I can bring, I have to be me. I have to talk about trauma. I have to talk about race. I have to talk about being from a lower socioeconomic background. I have to talk about cognitive functions. I have to talk about growth. I have to not only talk about it, I have to live it. I have to hold myself accountable to it. I have to invite other people to hold me accountable to that growth. That's the calibration that I need to do. Whether I do that work in the system or out, I have to learn. That's what I I have to calibrate. I have to integrate. And then the calibration is going to be, am I calibrating in, um, if I, while I'm in the system, 
I have to calibrate. And when I leave the system, I have to calibrate. Calibration is inevitable. It's inevitable. I haven't done it yet. I'm at the threshold of integration. Okay, let me wrap this up right here. I've elevated. We have elevation. I'm at the threshold of integration. And I know on the horizon is calibration. I'm not going to know what I need to do to calibrate until I fully experience and live out the assignment for integration. And I'll say this. Because if I don't integrate and if I don't calibrate, then the elevation was a lie. I bastardize, I bastardize the elevation. And I go back to being an un, what is the word? I go back to being a disconnected version of myself. And I'm not going to do that. Because there's beauty in learning to be connected. There's beauty in that. There's a beauty in facing your uglies. There's beauty in facing your raw, unedited, unscripted self. There's beauty there. And it's beautiful when we, as an educator working with students, working with staff, colleagues, friends, family, there's beauty in it. And that's where I'm at in the second half of life. You guys have heard me talk about the second half of life. This is it right here. I'm in it. I thought, I just had so many different interpretations of the second half of life, but this is it. Integration and calibration. Otherwise, if I don't integrate and calibrate, I then bastardize the elevation. So I was going to name this episode Elevation, Integration, Calibration, but I think because I already named an episode Elevation, what do you, I'm going to say, what do you think? What do you think about? I'm thinking about naming it Bastardized Elevation. Even though that's not what the episode is about, I like that as a title. Bastardized Elevation. If we don't integrate, And calibrate. Everything that we say we've done in terms of growth becomes bastardized. It is false. It's incomplete. It's not at its fullest potential. You guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about elevation, integration, and calibration... As in, is, is connected to a conversation that you've had in the world. Please take this link and share it out. I want to say though, even in this reflection, I'm going to private message my friend who, who sent my podcast out to her network. I'm not going to cry, you guys, but I'm feeling the tingly sensation like a, I'm going to send a private message to her this morning and say thank you. If you hear this friend, Thank you. Thank you for asking me again to send this podcast to your network. Because what you were doing was you were giving me the pathway for integration to take a part of me that I've been developing for two years. I'm very proud of. Go back, not you, friend, but I'm going to go back and listen to the episode I did on elevation. I was all calm, like I'm I'm grown. How grown are you? Because if you're going to be closeted and grown, you ain't grown. No. And I'm, this is not, this is not to hit on, you know, put a slam on people who are closeted. There are areas of my life that I am. 
right? This is the whole point, though. I'm coming out of the closet to become integrated. I'm not going to be ashamed of my background in trauma. I'm not going to be ashamed of being an NIDOM, an introverted and intuitive, not thinking the way most censors think. Uh, I'm not going to be ashamed of being a, a, a thinking woman, a thinker woman, when our society has programmed most women to be feelers. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I'm not going to hide that. I'm not going to repress it. And I'm not going to repress my introverted feeling, my tertiary function, which says I have feelings, damn it. I do have feelings. I'm not going to make decisions on those feelings exclusively, but I'm no longer going to be disconnected from that. I'm not going to be disconnected from my values and the things that are important to me. And what's important to me is empowerment. That is where I live and breathe and die. One day we'll die. Is at empowerment. That's my lifeline. That helps me sleep at night. And I'm ready to do the work. And so I, I, I just, if this whole conversation is again, like, if it's connected to anything that you've done in your recently, a conversation about integration and coming out and being you and confronting opposition and all of that, even, especially, not even, but especially when, the opposition is is internal, internal opposition. I want you to share this reflection with that person, even if that means you have to hit stop and come back later and listen to this again just for, if you have to share this episode with yourself, I invite you to do that. Then I can hear it. I can hear it, friend. I can hear, I can hear the integration. I can hear it already. I can hear it in this reflection. I can hear it. We're going to see. We're going to see what's like, what's to come. And if my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in your thinking, I would love to hear that. Would love to hear how my thinking inspires your thinking. Please find your way and share that with me. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com, Twitter, yournidom1. YouTube, you're an idom. Let me give you your assignment. I want you to think about an area of growth that you've had. A lot of times when we grow, we're not aware of the, we're not aware of the moment that we cross over into the, the to the new place. I talked about that in the elevation reflection. It's like I said, it's like traveling to a new city. There, when there's a point when you on the highway, it says, "Welcome, welcome to Nashville." Welcome to Atlanta. Welcome to Omaha. <laughs> There's a point on the road where it says, so you know you've arrived at your destination. But that's not how growth is. Well, it, maybe it is. Because there's a moment where you go, oh, I'm no longer that person I used to be. I'm no longer that person. And, uh, but I think the moment you became the new person, you aren't, you're not aware of it. You're only aware of it when the, when there's a moment that reveals it. So the revelation of the growth is not the same thing as the actual growth. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but think about something that you've grown in. You, you're not the same anymore. There's growth. 
And my question is, is it a bastardized version of growth? You've grown, but you're not completely walking in the growth. You've had a revelation. You've had an aha. You've had a breakthrough. You know that's your breakthrough. You know it's your revelation. But you're not fully walking in it. And you might have some valid excuses, but be honest. This is your assignment. You don't have to tell me. As a matter of fact, I ask you not to tell me. This is your assignment. It has nothing to do with me. Try to be honest with yourself. Are you walking in a bastardized version of growth? A bastardized version of growth. That's what I'm going to call this episode. Not bastardized elevation. Bastardized growth. Hot diggity dog. That's your assignment. And if you are, why? Before you even talk about what you're going to do, which I would encourage you to think about what you're going to do about it. But why? What are the barriers prohibiting you from being a in the fullness of the growth? What's keeping you in a bastardized state? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.